ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hello, Kirsty Melville here and welcome to the History Listen. Today, a new episode in our Hidden Family Secret series. A revelation that shocked two sisters. It's the story of how, when in their 50s, twins Pam and Wendy Valentine discovered a startling truth about the father they thought they knew. They seemed to be loose with the truth when it suited them. And so we didn't know that back in his past was this enormous secret that he had obviously kept to himself all those years. The sisters innocently came across a document that indicated their father might have had a previous family. My first reaction was surprise and then shock. And then you start asking all the questions. Why didn't we know? Wendy and Pam have now spent over 30 years writing to authorities, Googling ancestry websites and following paper trails in an effort to unravel their father's hidden past. Wendy's daughter, Kate, has now joined them. Being one generation removed and never having met her grandfather, Kate comes to the story with her own theories. Kate Carey begins today's feature, Finding Harry Valentine. Us Valentines are a pretty ordinary bunch. My grandfather, Harry, was born in 1899 and died in 1962. He was 48 when he married my grandmother, Thelma. Fast forward 25 years to 1989, when our family's hidden secret began to unravel. My auntie Pam decided to apply for her father's army records. I'm Pamela Valentine. I'm the daughter of Harry Valentine and Thelma. They were married in 1937, the year my twin sister Wendy and I were born. I'm Wendy Valentine and with my sister Pamela, when we were 52, we discovered that we had a half-brother who we had no knowledge of previously. Second of September, 1932. My name's Harry Valentine. Harry Frank Valentine. I was born in 1910. My father is also Harry Valentine. He deserted my mother, Flora, when I was two years. But the great shock for our family started before we discovered young Harry Frank. In February 1989, I thought I would send away for my father Harry's war service records from World War I. I was showing them to my twin sister, Wendy, and my nephew, John, and he said to me, what's this about wife claiming gratuity? Uh, And this is in 1919. We've looked at each other. Gratuity claimed by wife. Now, this was the First World War. He did not marry my mother until 1937, and we wondered, who was this wife? I decided to do some research. Pam obtained a marriage certificate and discovered that her father, Harry Valentine, married Flora Cohen in 1913. 1913? 
My grandfather was born in 1889 and that would have made him 24 years old. Flora Cohen was 46. The mystery deepened. This was over 20 years before he married my grandmother. Well, naturally, Pam and Wendy were confused and surprised and wanted answers. So they searched for Flora Cohen's death certificate. And Flora had died in 1926. And it stated that the information given on that death certificate was her son, Harry, aged 15. Harry Valentine, son, aged 15. This was a shock. Yes, I felt angry that we hadn't been told because I feel as though we, sh we should have known that we had a half-brother. My mother, Flora, died from pneumonia. I have no brothers or sisters. We realised, of course, that he was 27 years older than us. He would have been about 79, but still possibly alive. We were really interested to try and find him. I admit to being obsessed in trying to find him. But where to start? My mother and auntie were excited to know they had an older brother, but they were baffled that their father had kept this previous family a secret and that their brother had been born three years before the 1913 marriage. Their father, it seems, was only caught out once, questioned by the Department of Veterans Affairs as to why he referred to himself as a bachelor when he remarried. We have evidence. In 1956, he wrote a statement saying that he always considered himself a bachelor when he married because his first marriage was so unhappy and he didn't really want his wife his new wife, Thelma, to know about it. Apart from not telling his daughters, I thought my mother would have had a right to know something about his past in that sense. I don't believe that my mother did know about his first marriage or the fact that he had had a son illegitimately. But in the, those times, I think the feeling of illegitimacy was far more shameful than, than we can imagine. Shameful for everyone involved. It was the early 1900s. Obviously, when I found out the dates, I realised my father was only 21 when uh, young Harry Frank was born. I'm not sure that he would have realised that Flora was really 43. She possibly looked younger. She was a dressmaker along with one of her sisters, and it seems as though they had a dressmaking business in the Strand Arcade. I think she was 43. She decided, I really want a baby. This fella's pretty good looking. He's handsome and blonde and blue-eyed. He'd make a good dad. And she either coerced him or flattered him into um, making a baby. That's my supposition, yes. It can't have been that easy for a single woman to have a child alone, economically or socially, in 1910. It's not that easy now, and Flora was subsequently disowned by her Jewish family. We've really got no idea whether they lived together, um, but they, then, of course, we do know that they married after Harry Frank is born, so why 
Why does he marry Flora three years after he's born? And I wondered about that. So the story so far after years of research. In 1913, Harry marries Flora Cohen, who is 22 years older than him. We assume they then lived together in Sydney with their son, Harry Frank, who's now age three. But World War I intervenes. And in 1915, 26-year-old Harry Valentine enlists and leaves Australia. It took us quite a while in our research to find what he did from the time he came home from the war in 1919 and what he did in the 20s. All of a sudden you see him in press clippings uh, doing theatrical productions in early 1930s. Um, I, I think the thing that, um, when I do think about it, is surprise and astonishment at finding out what had happened in my father's past when I had no idea. The twins knew very little about their father's performing days in the 1920s and 30s. And it seems Harry had little or nothing to do with Flora and nine-year-old Harry when he returns from the war in 1919. Why did he leave his own son? (laughs) Yes, I felt it is contradictory because I always found my father was a kind, gentle man, formed an RSL, he was a scout leader, helping other people in the community, so I can't understand this attitude that he seems to have neglected his own son. We, we don't really know what stories Flora told young Harry about his dad. And from what's written in the statement by Harry, they don't seem to be all that good, really. My father is also Harry Valentine, aged 44. He lives in Petersham. He deserted my mother, Flora, when I was two years. Flora died six years ago from pneumonia, aged 49. I have no brothers or sisters. Flora was actually 60 when she died. She seems to have been very creative with her age. What we do know is that when she did die, my grandfather was still her legal husband. So he was summoned to the public trustee's office to deal with the estate. Now, did his 15-year-old son know where to find him? Or was it the public trustee who tracked him down? Well, we have got one definite proof that they did meet each other because when the Flora's, the the mother's estate was finalised in the public trustee office, they're both there on the same day signing papers. The uh, inheritance is given to Harry Senior. The father got the estate, it went to the widower, but he gives it to young Harry. It was £300. Harry, my father, does make the statement that he will look after the boy. To my grandfather, it seems that looking after the boy meant giving him his mother's £322 inheritance. But an upsetting paragraph was also found. In the probate papers, there's a statement from my father, older Harry, saying, I will not legitimise his birth. He definitely states that he's not prepared to do it. I'd like to know why. Yes, because it was a stigma on young Harry's life, always. 
So with the rather sad knowledge that their father most likely had no contact with his son from then on, the twins made it a mission to find out what became of their brother, Harry Frank. I put an RSVP into the Sydney Morning Herald uh, asking did anybody know Harry Valentine and Flora Cohen and were connected. And luckily I had a reply from one of the Cohen cousins. Ronald Cohen, Shoalhaven, 4th of October 1989. Dear Pam Valentine, after Flora died, Harry came to live at Bondi with our family. He was about 15. I've been told Flora made quite a good living selling art union tickets from a table set up in shop doorways. She left Harry quite a good sum, as he always had money to spend. As far as I know, Harry never married. He was rather effeminate. He was always somewhat overdressed and was regarded as slightly different. He even wore suede gloves, he says. Convinced that Harry was a homosexual. Convinced that Harry is homosexual. I eventually went to visit one of them. Of course, they were getting old and quite frail, and they did refer to him as a poofter, which I didn't like, but um, that's the way people were in those times. I attended St Mary's Catholic School in Sydney until I was 16, and when I passed the intermediate examination, I went to work in an office to better myself. They seem to have not allowed him to stay more than about three months, although did Harry just feel uncomfortable in the household, feeling this attitude towards him, and left. Then I went to Jackaroo in Narrabri for 12 months, but I left there because I got tired of it. And then after that, he was very much on his own. He seems to have been Neglected by both the Coens and the Valentines from what we can see. I've got no idea about the Valentine cousins. They didn't even seem to know that he existed when we tried to ask them after we found out. And so that's when he seems to strike trouble. By this time he's 300 pounds from his mother's estate. is probably well and truly gone. And he doesn't seem to be able to keep a job for any length of time. Now, is this because of the depression and firms did go broke and had to put people off? Or is it because they didn't like his homosexuality? I returned to Sydney and got a job as a relieving teacher at Waverley Christian Brothers College. And he takes on the Roman Catholic faith and he gives as his next of kin brother, Healy, who was the principal of St Mary's Cathedral School. He does list that he learnt subjects like Greek and Latin. And last year, when I turned 20, I applied for admission to St John the Baptist Brothers in Adelaide. And I was accepted. And I was waiting to get my baptismal and confirmation certificates. A few months later was the first time I was in trouble. It was July 1931. I kept the art union money that should have been delivered in. I was given a good behaviour bond for three years, but I broke it when I tried to sell some stolen stamps. So I served 21 days and three months. This is the early 1930s, at the height of the Great Depression. 
Harry Frank has obviously spent all his inheritance and is struggling for money. Sometimes I sit back and think what a sad life he had. He didn't deserve it. A lot of it was totally unjust. And his next misstep, something that would not be a crime today, certainly feels unjust. He was 21 and was told to write an account of himself when he was arrested in Sydney. 2nd of September, 1932, Maitland Jail. I've now been charged with indecent assault on a male person. I met a boy aged 17 and we had supper at the railway station. I paid for our meals. And then we went back to my rooms at the Albion Street Salvation Army home. We sat talking for a while, and then the boy became fresh and started to handle my privates. I didn't object. I started to undress and get into the bed when the night porter came in and took us both down to the office and called the police. I was arrested. The boy was sent for 12 months to Gosford Farm Home. I'm a single man, and I'm not in the habit of doing this kind of thing. Young Harry is only 21 years old and the, the person with him is 17. He was put in jail for two years with hard labour for something that was called sexually assaulting a young man. The fact that the two men were together, that's where they were found um, and that's what the police decided they charged them with. According to the statement of the police officer, uh, it was a consensual arrangement. He was considered a criminal, in fact, and, and sent away to Maitland Jail for two years. It, it all seems unfair, which it was. Correctional institutions usually keep good records. We hadn't found Harry yet, but it seemed we were getting closer. Kate and Wendy and I went off to uh, the State Archives at Kingswood to look at jail records and were really so delighted to find a photograph of him. I think we yelled out and were told to shush out up in the archives rooms, but it was just so exciting. Well, obviously it's a mugshot and he, he doesn't look very well dressed, but at least we've got to see what he looked like when he was 21 years old. He was the same build as my father, uh, same shaped face, uh, very, very similar mouth. He's got mismatched coat and trousers and a kind of a hat that doesn't seem to go with the outfit at all. But what I think about when I look at the photograph is the look in his eyes and they say to me, what have I done? What have you done to me? Why am I here? It just because he's only 21, he's not very old, and he's just been struck with this being called a criminal. And I think it, you can see it in his face, in his eyes. His illegitimacy and his homosexuality and, and his loneliness and loss of family. He's really in a very terrible situation. Harry Frank accepts his fate. Fortunately, he's taken under the wing of a jail doctor who recognises his education and his ability to assist them. With this experience, at the start of World War II, age 30, 
Harry signs up for the Air Force Medical Corps. 26th of June, 1940. Surgeon Flight Lieutenant CJ Cummins. Young Harry Frank decides he'd like to join the Air Force and serve his country. He had hospital attendant skills which he uh, thought was useful. Dear Mr Cummins, in furtherance of our conversation regarding my application for enrolment with the RAAF as nursing orderly, could you give me any indication, roughly, as to whether and where I should be called? I am very, very anxious to be received, and I feel that in the Air Force I'll have ample scope for my ability and will give of my best service. With kind thanks, sincerely yours, Frank Valentine. And he's accepted. Buddy's big break is short-lived. After his initial training, which he passes with flying colours, after only six weeks, they decide that his personal behaviour is not acceptable to becoming an airman. He was told that he would not be suitable as an aircraftsman in the Australian Air Force. This must have upset him greatly because he was keen to serve his country and to have a good job and be accepted in the community. He did write letters. Dear Sir, earlier this year on February the 3rd, 1941, I was discharged from the RAAF under Air Force Regulation 115B, unlikely to make an efficient airman. So one wonders whether he'd made some homosexual advances to somebody there and was found out. Apparently these services were very strong against having homosexuals in their forces in those times. It has dismissed any chance to remuster to any other branch of the service. I was 18 months at the casualty and have had other hospital experience and yet the examiner classifies me as inefficient. I would willingly return to the RAAF, but that is another point. Would you use your experience to have the matter of my long overdue salary adjusted, as I am in need of the money? Thank you. Yours faithfully, Henry Frank Valentine. And he didn't get that money for close to a year. How many setbacks can one person have? Meanwhile, it's now the 1990s. His twin sisters were getting closer to tracking him down. Where do we find young Harry next? He found a birth on the Queen Elizabeth when it birthed into Sydney after its refitting as a troop carrier. He got a job as a nursing orderly. He was on that ship till 1946. Pam and Wendy searched police records, hospital records, ship and war records, but they were running out of places to search. And their hopes of finding their older brother alive were fast fading. Then finally, over 20 years after they began their search, they received some concrete information, surprisingly from England, from the 1950s. 
So he disembarks on one of the merchant ships in London and that's where he gets his taste for living in London, I would say. And so the paper trail began again. Young Harry Frank, now in his 40s, has decided to stay. He gets a job as a waiter at a fancy hotel in London. Actually took us 21 years. So all that time, we are hoping that perhaps we might find him alive and get to know him and reassure him that he's okay. Ancestry had put another index on their program and I went into one that was called English Death Index. With trepidation, the sisters scrolled through the death entries and then found the news they didn't want. Their brother, Harry Valentine, had died in 1958 at the age of 47. The twins would have been 31 years old. They were 50 years too late. And the next piece of information rocked them to the core. When we finally got his death certificate to find that his death was by suicide, that was horrifying. And it certainly wasn't the end of his life that we had wanted to find. It says um, barbiturate poisoning, which is very confronting. Because no relatives could be found, at that time they put people like that into a communal grave in Henwell Cemetery in Westminster. It was all rather sad, so we more or less in the pauper's grave, uh, no headstone. We've since contacted the cemetery and they will not put a plaque up in his memory. We laid a few little flowers that we could find and made a, a cross. My mother and auntie will be 85 soon. They're happy to have been able to visit his resting place, but they're still searching for more details and have more questions. Some will always remain unanswered. I would have immediately asked, did you know about your twin sisters? Had he found some happiness? And everything was all right with him. The fact that my father didn't tell us about his first marriage and his son, it possibly was a burden to him that he had to keep this secret for whether he was embarrassed or ashamed or whatever reason. I have got over the anger that I had with him. I still rather resent the fact that we weren't told, but one has to accept this in your life. You can't stay angry and resentful for a long time. Winnie and I had our first babies in 1962, only 15 days apart, and um, my father died in 1962. Before the babies were born, I visited my parents and... My mother said to my father, you know, what do you want, a grandson or a granddaughter? And he said, oh, I want snowy-haired grandsons. Whether he was thinking about his snowy-haired son at the time or what, but maybe we can read something into that, maybe not. Pam Valentine, ending today's story. Many thanks also to Wendy Valentine and Kate Carey. 
Finding Harry Valentine was produced by Ros Blewett. The sound engineer was Isabella Tropiano. And if you'd like to see a photo of the twin sisters and the mugshot they found of their lost brother Harry, you'll find them on our webpage at ABCRN. Just look for the History Listen. That's all for this episode. I'm Kirsty Melville, and I'll see you next time. That day might just be today. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.